0: Welcome to all the things with Monique Duson from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom Krista Bonträger
1: and now here's Krista and Monique yay good evening <laughs> welcome to all the things I am Monique Dusan I'm Krista Bonträger also known as theology
0: mom and this is a show. Where we discuss all the things related to God, life, and the Bible Rightio. Yes. and uh, helping us on the show tonight and just basically every day is Bob Bontrager.
1: I was like, did you forget his name? No, <laughs> <I was laughs> he stuttered. I was waiting for the dissolve. Oh, okay. All I right. was like, no, he's still the same person. Oh no, no, no. Man, we've had a crazy day. This, this, you know, this day reminds me
0: of this day we spoke all day at the mama bear apologetics conference and then we did the show in the evening and we were like we're never doing that again yeah except Here, for today except for today we, are. <laughs> we had today yeah so we spoke today uh <laughs> pretty much all day sound check started at i think seven o'clock this morning yes it did uh for our friend joe miller's conference in his new launch of his new ministry cultural, cultural
1: apologetics
0: Yeah. Yes. So it was a whole day on critical race theory and Christianity. And we should probably say that um, there was a very unfortunate situation that we discovered yesterday.
1: Oh, that one. Yeah.
0: Which was that somebody had spoofed Joe's Facebook event. Yes. And they had uh, completely duplicated it. And propagated it to all of our pages as sponsors. Yes. And then. Unfortunately. Mirrored it. Yeah. Unfortunately, they were taking people's money.
1: No, I didn't know they were taking money. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like somebody told me they had to cancel like a bunch of credit cards. No. Yeah. Mm. So we're sorry. We, we, we put a, a note on our Facebook this morning about, you know, don't fall for this scam. But we just found out. About we it. just found out about it, and Joe had notified Facebook yesterday, and they didn't do anything. Oh, so
1: yeah.
0: But we have a cool
1: gift. Yes, so we tell, do. Tell them about the gift. So we have received access to the recordings from today's conference, and we can give those away specifically to our CFBU family yeah so if you are not on our mailing list sign up for our mailing list but before 10 a.m tomorrow morning pacific standard time and we will send you the link to the recordings from today's conference
0: that's right so you can go there you're going to get the whole conference for free yes joe miller is gifting us with this for CFB family. So all you have to go is centerforbiblicalunity.com. Wait like two to three seconds. And then fill out the form. And then you're going to be on our e- email list. And you'll receive our digital newsletter tomorrow morning. And it's going to have the link on there so you can go access all the talks. The talks were just amazing. Today. They were. Now,
1: when, you, when you're when you on our website, you're going to wait two to three seconds because it's going to auto-populate yeah. with a, like a pop-up that says, sign up for our mailing list and you'll just put your email address in there now edwin ramirez says free free, yes (laughs) right (laughs) free is my one of my favorite things is that your love language yes it is so we did that and then we had to run and run an errand right after the conference because bath and body works had a sale y'all i'm not even gonna lie i needed some lotion lotion. people The lotion. Yes, it is real. And then we had to run back here, and now we are here. We're here. Yes. So
0: we want to invite everyone to join us on the chat over on YouTube. You can uh, check in with us. Let us know you're watching. And uh, be sure to share this on your social media. It's a great way to introduce people to the ministry. It's a different kind of a topic tonight, a little less controversial. So we really hope you'll share the share the the show on your social media that helps us uh a lot with analytics and helping to overcome the shadow banning
1: yes please do now i see that allison wardrip is in the chat box on yeah, she's youtube our guest she's our guest moderator thank you so much she also does all of our show notes thank she is you. our official production assistant yes i would be lost without i her. would call her our production angel <laughs> yes. we are very thankful Yes. Yes. And then I'm on the CFBU Facebook page, and I believe you might be on Theology Mom yep. Facebook. Yep. So, yes, type your questions and comments in there. And also, while we're talking about moderators, our show is brought to you by Family 210 Clothing, which, oh. Yes. Maybe not. We have a, the design of the night. There it is The Nazarene.
0: Yes. So, if any fans of The Mandalorian are out there, this is sort of
1: Bob's riff on that. Yes, and it is also brought to you by the Center for Biblical Unity. Theology Mom Podcast. Theology
0: Mom Podcast. And one more sponsor coming in later in the show. Yes. So stay tuned. So when you go to that uh, link, you can go find our, our family shop at Family 210 on Teespring. Or you can go to the Bitly link and go to slash the Nazarene. Uh, but $5 of every purchase there goes directly to help our family literally putting food on our table. And we are so grateful. This is a very practical way that you can help sew into our family. If you have to give any gifts, go do that. Yes, yes. So, all right. So tell us about uh, our family member that we're going to
1: talk to tonight. Okay, I'm really excited about our conversation tonight because we're going to talk with Rihanna Sanford. Now, way back, I don't even know when, how way back it was, but Rihanna would come on in the chat and she would just be putting all kind of stuff. And I'm like, I wonder who this is. And then one day we were talking about identity and she was like, we can have a conversation about identity. I wrote a book about identity. I was like, you wrote a book about identity. And this is when I was still coming out of like progressivism and CF and not CFB, but CRT. And I didn't really know why you would write a book on identity. I was just like so intrigued. And then eventually we ended up having like a phone call and oh you know what i think it may have been around i don't know like i put something on twitter and then she responded but all of this to say she's been a part of the cfbu family for a while and almost from the beginning really almost from the beginning yeah and we've been texting back and forth and um just getting getting to know each other she actually has a special needs daughter yeah and when when we were talking about this and the the journey and the road it it was just awesome. Like it was awesome to see what the Lord did with her and her husband and how he's um, like, I think really shifted mindset and narrative of, of even. And I mean, we can ask her, but like the, the relationship all the way around regarding dignity. And so. Oh, and this kind of ties into the live stream that I, that's did. that's what I was going to say. Just this past
0: Tuesday. Yes. Is I kind of did kind of a theological overview of the issue of dignity for all humans and in particular uh, people in the special needs population and kind of how to think about that from a distinctly Christian point of view. So we're going to be talking to Rihanna, which is a great, like, practical kind of case study of, you know, how do you live this out? What kind of mindset do you have to have if you're going to think about living this out in your home we we always have a saying at cfbu that justice begins at home yes you know before we're going to have a big conversation about everything out there let's first take inventory of what's happening in our home how are we treating each other in the home
1: yes and so i honestly just um I think that it's a good middle ground, like you said, because you did a teaching last Tuesday on, um, you know, um, the disabled. Yeah. You know, and now being able to have a conversation with Rihanna about Kaya and looking at, like you said, a case study. But then also, I think the prep for next week's show that's coming or your your live stream. On Tuesday,
0: I'm doing another live stream, which will be another case study from someone in my family, my aunt and uncle, who um, have my cousin, their daughter is also a special needs child with different issues, Mm -hmm. but, you know, finding out about their journey and they're a little older and, you know, they're in their 70s. And so they can give kind of an interesting perspective of, you know, now that their daughter is 37, you know, they've been on that journey for quite a while. Yeah. So
1: it'll be cool to talk about too. Like how can the church unite with families who may have children with special needs so
0: it's definitely tying into conversation about unity
1: yeah unity is deeper than you know just racial unity we need to have a thought about unity that's extremely holistic not yeah so all right i say let's let's bring her on let's get her on rihanna hey
2: (laughs) glad to see
0: you thanks for so much for doing this and talking to us
2: Oh my gosh, you guys don't have any idea how excited and honored I am to be on the show with you guys. You're some of my favorite people to be (laughs) online with.
1: We're so glad you are here. (laughs) Please tell us about yourself. Tell us about Kaya and all the things. (laughs) All the things,
2: right. So um, yeah, I'm a mama of a special needs child who is 17, so we have been at this for a long time. Um, Kaya has been in many ways, um, not just our child. She's been the mechanism as to which, um, how God has, has shown us himself has been able to really help us understand what love is, you know, unconditional love. And, um, you know, it started out as just um, You know, she was born, and we thought we had just a neurotypical child on our hands. you know, baby girl, and everything seemed quite normal. And when she was about nine to 10 months old, we noticed that she was starting to go backwards in her speech. Um, she was going backwards in a lot of her fine motor skills, starting to drop things like sippy cups and toys, and we kind of started scratching our heads a little bit and trying to figure out what's going on. Now she's our first child. So, you know, we didn't know what's normal and what's not normal, but we were just kind of curious about why it seemed like she was going backwards in skills. And um, by the time she was a year old, we um, decided to start seeing a specialist and because she wasn't talking anymore and she wasn't crawling and she wasn't trying to walk or anything. And so um, started seeing a specialist and for the next two and a half years, we just um, didn't know. We just didn't know any, no one had any answers for us other than that she was um, developmentally delayed. And, and so by the time she was about three and a half years old, we were able to get um, a diagnosis for a neurological disorder called Rett syndrome, R-E-E-T-T. And it is a fairly um, um, rare Disorder and it is actually known as the most debilitating of autistic disorders seen on the autistic spectrum in girls only and mostly in girls. There there are very very few boys born with this um, with this um, condition. Um, But at that point, I know I can speak for myself. um, Lots of questions, you know, the why and the. You know, did I do something wrong and while she was, you know, in my belly and just, you know, as a mama, you, you start to kind of take on blame a lot when something goes, you know, awry with your child. And so um, I found myself really having to dig deep um, as to what I believed, you know, as to what I believed about who I am, about who she is, about who God is. And um, that kind of started our journey you know about the age of um, well, I don't know. I guess it started at nine months old when she started going backwards. But when we finally got the diagnosis at about three and a half, almost four, and learning that's an incurable disorder, you know, that's an incurable disease, we were like, okay, well, <laughs> life is going to look way different than what we ever expected. And
0: um, so I'm I'm imagining there, like, kind of two things. It sounds like were happening for you at the same time, like there was the whole journey of the medical diagnosis and trying to sort that out and where are we going? But then there was also the journey. It sounds like of the emotional part of it, of trying to figure out, well, what does this mean? I'm imagining that there was kind of some grieving that you had to do about um, not maybe dreams unfulfilled or getting different Mm -hmm. dreams or that that life would look different. So maybe you can speak to
2: that a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, um, and I wrote this in the book, um, the book that I wrote called This Special Life. There were things that I had in my mind, you know, as a mama that I would enjoy with with my daughter. So some of those things were some of the same things that I enjoyed doing with my mama, you know, like um, singing singing in the car, you know, it, she would always take the alto part and I would always take the soprano part, you know, little things like that, watching her maybe in a dance class in a little pink tutu, you know, um, walking her into her first day of kindergarten. And so there are these ideas and these expectations that I did have as a mama and I think fairly, very normal types of things. Um, But those are the things that you tend to grieve. And I will say there was this where there was a kind of an intense grieving process within the first few years of getting the diagnosis. And, um, you know, you ask the questions, you know, is this happening to me? You know, like, why is this happening to me type of deal? Um, And you kind of kind of struggle with the idea of a little bit of victimhood Um, and, and, um, like I said, you really just kind of have to come to grips of, of going back to what, as a believer, you know, what does God's word say in regards to our life in regards to, you know, even though we have this, this situation and this circumstance, what is, what does God say? And there was some growing seasons in there in the early, early parts for sure, but you're right. There's definitely this grieving uh, process that kind of happened and, um, you know, especially earlier on in our journey.
1: So I understand like the grieving process and like different, you know, grand either expectations or hopes that parents face that may shift and needing to, you know, kind of regroup with some of those things. But what are other issues or like struggles that, you think, um, parents of special needs children really face that we may not be aware of?
2: Um, feeling secluded, Hmm. feeling alone, um, in the world. And yes, sometimes even within the church, um, just, you know, people, you are kind of just, um, like, side swipe, you know like with this whole thing that's going on and it's just like again like not expected and so so people don't it's kind of like when someone dies people don't necessarily know what's the best thing to say um and they don't really know how to respond sometimes and so so sometimes people just because they don't know how to respond they don't reach out you know they don't reach out to help and they don't you know i Sometimes I just would have random checks show up in the mail, which was nice. And God, you know, definitely kind of helped us in that way because, but I think that was an act of like, people didn't know what else to do or how else to help, you know, type of thing. Um, Sometimes support, you know, when it comes to just, you know, for example, like if, like in church, you know, if we're going to church or whatever, some churches are really very well set up, you know, for um you know that it's a care for special needs children and then other churches we walk in and they're looking at you like oh gosh please don't leave her like you can tell like you could read it on her face like because we are rolling her in you know in this like big stroller for a six or seven year old type of you know and they're like you know because we have two other boys that are not far from her age and so we'd be you know dropping them off and you could tell there's the question whether it's Are you going to leave her here too? Like, we don't know what to do, you know, with that. And so, so you kind of feel burdened. You don't want to feel a burden. You don't want anybody else to feel burdened. So you just, you know, take on some of those things where you're like, well, I'll just keep her, you know, we'll just keep her in service or we just won't go, you know, we just won't go to church because we don't know that we, there's a church that we can go to that we feel comfortable, you know, their whole family will be served type of deal. Um, so those are some of the things that, so those are some of the things, you know, that we've kind of have faced.
1: Yeah. I don't think, you know, when I think people in completely unintentionally, but we just become absorbed in our own world. And Mm -hmm. when we are like looking just at like, well, this is what I have to do on my day to day. We can definitely miss, you know, people who are struggling in other ways. And Mm -hmm. I think this is as a, you know, a formal, former children's minister and director like when when parents would come i could also see the fear in their eyes of wait should i leave my kid because i don't Ooh. know that you're really going to be able to handle it or like can't not handle if the child handled the situation what if there's a situation that arises and man yeah. one of the things that i always wanted to encourage parents in our children's ministry was to go and you know worship and take that time as, And I would hope that more children's ministries would adopt that, that way of thinking so that children can have the interaction that they want to have too. And that parents can not get the separation that they need, but, you know, have the freedom to be able to worship and maybe consider it a a family issue. Like we're family. You're not just dropping a kid off in children's ministry and I'm some stranger. No, like, no, we need to be able to adopt a, a family model that, Hey, you know, Auntie Mo was going to come here and she's going to be with you and not just, you know, some service.
2: Right. But I think the, Go ahead. I was going to say, I think the other thing, not just so that maybe mom and dad can go and worship, but so that mom and dad can also be in service. Yeah. Like be doing some of the serving, you know, within, within that local community, because I know for me, like, there was a church in Kansas city that we just moved out. Shout out to everybody at city center church in Kansas city. But I remember when we first started bringing our daughter there and they literally were taking her from us and like, "Go, you know, go, go do what you do. Because I, you know, I was, um, a music minister. And like I would sing in the choir and on the praise team. And it's like, there's no way I could have done that if no one was willing to kind of help with, with, with Kaya. And so that, that's a huge part of, of it too and I think if we're thinking about being a a living and breathing community you know church then we have to be willing to kind of have those those um supports you know so that people can be serving um and be able to actually you know worship together so
1: what level of service like can you explain like the level of service that Kaya needs with Rett syndrome
2: yeah um she needs 24 hour care. She, she is not able to do anything on her own. Um, Rhett syndrome has different girls have different abilities and, um, and challenges, but for Kaya, she is not able to walk. She's not able to talk. Um, she literally needs uh, 100% assistance with all daily you know needs activities and everything. And so she's someone who will never be able to live on her own. She will be with her dad and I, or, you know, God forbid, if something happens to us, you know, then that, that goes down to the, um, you know, responsibility of her brothers. <laughs> My teenager is looking over there at me, shaking his head like, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and we've had to have that conversation, you know, they, they know that that is expected of them and, um, it's a, it's a hard conversation you know to have to have with the siblings but um when our situation kaya it was the first child so her brothers don't remember her any kind of any other kind of way you know they've always known her as someone as just as she is you know um maybe with some challenges but um have loved her just the way that she is just you know because the way that she is and so um i know that they were they are going to be some um fantastic uh, husbands and
1: daddies
2: (laughs) Uh, and maybe caregivers you know um someday themselves so
0: i'm wondering as you've been on this journey uh how your faith has informed you know in in the situation how your faith has grown and been stretched Kind of maybe you could give us a little snapshot of that Mm -hmm. journey, or maybe where you were, and where having Kaya in your life has brought you to, and how the Lord's used that. It's the
2: epitome of the word faith. Um, Everything about our journey points to the epitome of the word faith. Faith is the the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things yet you know not not seen yet. And we believe if we have this Christian worldview, this biblical worldview, what are the things that we know, right? That this life is not it, right? That there is an eternal perspective that this is not her forever body. And so once I kind of remembered, like, what is it that I believe, you know, like I had to kind of sometimes shake myself when I would, the, the mama heart, you know, the, the fleshly part of of me would kind of sometimes want to take over and I would find myself sad or angry or bitter or just, you know, just depressed or something like that. And I kind of have to shake myself and go back to the word and be like, what is it that I believe all these years, you know, I grew up a Christian, right? I don't know anything else, but Christianity, that's the way I was raised in my house. So it was like, I had to just apply. I had to really, it's like when the rubber hits the road, and this should be the thing that all of us as Christians, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, do you, is there application to what the word says to your life? And I had every opportunity with this journey, and I think we all do, we all have different situations. I just feel like ours was like intense, you know, like just throwing us in there, like, all right, here you go. It's time to really apply the word. So when we read, you know, that these are momentary troubles, you know, that we know that we can expect just like an eternal glory. Um, And, you know, Paul talks about the thorn in his side and how even in his, in his weakness, you know, God is made strong. God, he is made strong even in his weakness. And it's like, he can boast about his weaknesses because of the Lord because of just leaning on him for everything, everything, you know, every possible thing. And it's like, that's what it became to me. I had to literally eat, breathe, drink, like everything within me had to be in regards to how the Lord, how he sees me, all right? What his word says about me. And I had to see everything through those eyes because if I didn't, depression, limit like limiting beliefs you know like i would just i would limit myself on what i could or could not do in the world because i'm just so like bound by limitations um limiting what she can do in the world you know not really not really seeing her for who god sees her as and realizing like okay right if this word gives me value if if i have an identity in christ then so does she so, so I can't look at her as broken or as less than because then that's not fair to her. That's devaluing her. So there were, so then, you know, then it was just like the way that I, we treated her and the way that, um, you know, we expect that no matter what she is going to live out her God given value in this world, mm. no matter what. That's powerful. And that that's free, you know, that's free when you don't have the burden of just, you know this woe is me, or she's not going to be able to walk, or she's not going to be able to talk. Like, the, you know, like you, you really just have to change your focus, you know, on the things that that um, you know, onto the things that that God says about us instead of just looking at the earthly, you know, type of mentality. Um, and there's so many expectations I think in the world, you know, my own expectations, putting that on her wasn't fair for her because she has her own value. She has her own purpose in this world. And so, you know, I had to kind of just get rid of the stuff that I was trying to make happen, you know, for the sake of just my own expectations and really get back to focusing on just God, you know, you know, her, you know, her value, you know, her purpose. And we just glorify you for all the things that she's supposed to do in the world.
0: I think it's such a good point. And and it really just, dovetails nicely with the live stream that I did this last week about the, one of the distinctly Christian aspects of our faith when it comes to dealing with people with disabilities is that they don't get their value and their worth and their dignity functionally, you know, from mm-hmm. what they do. They, mm-hmm. the, the Christian worldview is that people have intrinsic value simply because they are human And humans are created in the image of God. And so if we're going to think Christianly about these matters, we cannot think functionally. We have to think in terms of intrinsic dignity, which is exactly what Rihanna is describing here. A worldly way of thinking says, I'm going to think about a person's value based on their function and we Sometimes we have a euphemism of their quality of life. That is a distinctly worldly way of thinking. So we have to think this begins in the mind. We have to have a Christian worldview and then we live that out. I want to give a shout out to your book, Rihanna. Bob's got it here. Um, this special life, living life with special needs and loving it. People can get that up on amazon did you want to respond to anything i said there rihanna
2: um you know something came to mind when you were when you were saying that about this christian world view but i also think within the christian community there are some misconceptions in regards to when children are born with special needs or with challenges um, i think i mentioned this to Mon- um, um, monique one day um, or maybe in the chat or something from a different um, something I was watching you guys do, but you know there was a lady one day that decided that in our prayer circle, and we had asked her prayer for some health issues that our daughter had. Um, she proceeded to go on and pray for forgiveness of the sins of her mom and her dad that made her this way, hmm. and and so even within the Christian faith, there's some mis- misconceived, you know, um, perceptions maybe, um, in regards to, um, when children are born with special needs. And I think it comes from, um, you know, some, a part of scripture or whatever about, and I think you mentioned this in part one, Krista, of your, um, of your, of your stream, but, um, about what are the sins of the parents that made the child this way? Yeah, the,
0: the disciples actually asked that that very question to Jesus, mm-hmm. and he says, "No, that's not the right question. <laughs> that is not but the right." Like,
2: yeah, it's like someone stop. It's like a lot of people just stopped there at that question and didn't read on yeah. to the rest of the context about the glory, you yeah. know, that God can get or that the, that Jesus can get. So 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 even within the body of believers, there are some misconceived, some just bad, you know, twisted ideas yeah. um, in regard. And so some of that values that's misplaced within children that are like my daughter is because of things like that. That's good.
0: Well. We're going to go out to some comments. Uh, let's go to Facebook Um Monique says that there's some good comments there.
1: I I think one of the things that I learned um, on our Tuesday, your Tuesday live stream, was how many families within the CFBU family or within the Theology Mom family have children with that like are on the spectrum or have some form of special can you need. Up, um... And I just I was like, wow, I never knew that, you know, there were so many people were just in there, in there, in there, like, you know, saying, Hey, this is me. Like, you know, this was res- this is applicable to me. Yeah. And um I, I just I really appreciated it and wanted to figure out a way that we can unite Yeah. All of the parents. But um just going quickly through through Facebook I see a comment from Sharon she says hi mom of awesome son with DS here appreciate your de- your developmental disability biblical talk I'm not sure what DS is Sharon would you mind putting that in so I can I can know and then
2: Jesus did she um, miss the a? I wonder if she, or is she maybe ASD. I don't know if she maybe missed the
1: D, okay. you know, typo or something. Yeah. Maybe I, not. Are you on CFBU Facebook? I'm on CFBU's Facebook. Okay, that's where I'm at. And cool. then Jane says, I have two boys with autism and ADHD. Church can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, people sh- I people see at church are nice. I'm sorry. People are nice at church, but we never feel Scroll like down we down really down. belong. Yeah. We never really belong. Oh, that's a yeah. Best advice I got when my, bo- when the boys were diagnosed was seek therapy myself. It was great advice. Uh, let's see. Ooh. Kathy Lou. Um, she says, I just wrote about this yesterday and this morning on my page. now I know Kathy and she also volunteers <laughs> with CFBU and she has children who are deaf. And she isn't she hard of hearing. She too? is yes herself. Yeah. Um. Let's. We see. love Kathy Lou. We do. I really see the special needs community is a ripe harvest, but they don't know how to get involved into a church. Um. My goodness. Well, gracious. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. sensing
0: that there's a lot of needs here. I'm wondering because there was a comment earlier that Bob flashed on the screen about you know what churches can do and if you have a smaller church versus a larger church, you know, I'm feeling like that needs to be maybe more of a of a conversation. I don't know.
1: DS stands for Down syndrome. I don't know oh, why I didn't okay. put that together. Oh, um, why didn't I think
0: of that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That um, makes
1: sense. But that makes sense. Now, you were saying like a smaller church versus a larger church. Yeah. I wonder how churches could pull resources and participate together. Mm. You know, like Kathy's... Um, I think three of her children, um, are are hard of hearing, and she's a, a transracial adoptive parent or interracial yeah. adoptive parent. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like if 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 the church here in Upland, like, and we have there's a lot of churches in Upland, so let's say there's ten churches in Upland at least. Okay, at least <laughs> could three like and make sure y'all bible believing. y'all got to believe in all the things but could they get together and be like hey we are going to be the ones to sew into an interpreter so into um you know childcare, care into some of these things so that people aren't left on the wayside yeah or you know feeling like they don't have a place to belong
0: i don't know do you have any thoughts about what local churches could do better rihanna
2: and I, I know everything is always easier easier said than done. Of course. Um, but, but one of the things, I know that there are people in the world that have giftings and, and talents and desires you know, to work with children with special needs. That's why we have schools and schools and schools full of them, right? I don't believe that there is a lack of people in the world that can work and kind of help serve these children in churches, The question is, are enough of them going to church themselves to be able to, you know, kind of say, hey, yeah, I'd love to be able to be a part of the special needs ministry and help support families that are living, you know, with special needs. And um, so if there's there's somebody in the church
0: that maybe is working in the special needs area in their Mm -hmm. Monday through Friday job, you know, being intentional about, hopefully those people are putting some time into their local church to utilize those skills for that local, that local congregation. Right. And I realize that that's a lot, you know, if they're working Monday through Friday,
2: you know, they're like, the weekend is my time off type of deal, but that's kind of going back to the, what the church is supposed to be. Like if we're family, Mm -hmm. then you're not thinking about, you know, you're thinking about how can I serve my family Even Monday through Sunday, you know, how can I serve my family?
1: And, Um, you know, how can a church hold a training for children's ministry workers who will specialize in special needs children? Like that's Mm -hmm. it's not it's not that to me, it's not that, you know, complicated. Like you don't have to have a full time job. As a special needs assistant in a school or things like that, you could no. be a lawyer. You can be a candlestick maker. It doesn't matter. We can train you yeah. on what to do.
2: And and that's teenagers too. Yeah. Teenagers are awesome. Yes, with, kids with special needs. I mean, I've seen them in camps and things like that, and they, you know, like don't don't leave them out. Let them, you know, if they feel the the tugging on their hearts to work with kids like that, then you know make sure that they are they know that they can help and serve in that way too.
0: Yeah. I I think that's so interesting because it would really kind of require almost a a, a little bit of a re-messaging or flipping this the, the script a little bit with with teenagers and young adults instead of just coming and having all the programming be for them was like, well, how could you serve? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's an interesting situation, but having a training is also an interesting idea. I'm wondering I, uh, I'm having all kinds of ideas. This, this is sort of mm-hmm. reminding me of when we had Latasha Fields on, because this is like, you know, all right, you know, how do we help our local churches? Like, I, I'm always in favor of solutions. Like, okay, we can come on here and identify a problem, but now let's mm-hmm. start thinking creatively with some ideas of how can we empower um, things to be different and and inspiring people to get a different vision. So that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. So
1: I love a, a kid who serves. Don't play <laughs> no games. So what what do
0: you think about? We have a great question on uh, YouTube from Allison. She she says, "How should we in the general population? So I think when we're out and about in our lives, we see." people, parents out in the park or at the mall or wherever with a child with a disability is it appropriate to ask questions or is that kind of considered rude and insensitive like what could we do in a real world situation to um show kindness like what or is that Mm -hmm. just super intrusive and weird and awkward i will tell you that and again i'm speaking
2: from my perspective but i really do think this is true within the majority of the special needs community we would rather you be curious and mm. ask questions because then that shows that you care when people don't ask questions it's almost as if they they don't care they just you know well you know that's their problem you know type of deal and it's not really if we don't see it as a problem we see it as a blessing you know and an honor to get to have this journey but um, definitely don't say I'm sorry, like there's because and people do that all the time because of their own expectations, because of what they believe is, quote unquote, normal. And so so when I tell someone, you know, yeah, well, our daughter, you know, is in, she's in a wheelchair, she's not able to walk or talk. And then the, brief, the normal response a lot of the time is, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and it's almost as if, like I said, like if someone passed away or someone died or something, because in their mind, they're seeing her as someone who is not as valuable as someone who cannot do because of, because of this, this, this the difference of what she can or cannot do. So I'm sorry immediately devalues her as a human being and as a child of God. So I always just try to say to people very nicely, oh, don't be, we're not. You know, like we absolutely love that she's our daughter. We love being her parents. You know, um, she's been like the light of our lives, and so we respond a lot better than I think a lot of people might do because it kind of can be very hard to hear things like that. But so that's so that's one thing. The other thing is just to, um, you know, I know when I have felt very valued when people have gone out of the way to invite us over to their home, even for dinner, and they'll ask, you know, okay what do we need to do to make sure we have everything, you know, set there. So Kaya, you know, is comfortable or whatever. I'm telling you that is, that just fills my heart with so much love and appreciation um, because they're going through maybe out of their comfort zone a little bit to invite our family over. Um, It's a big deal to go to someone else's house when you're a special needs family, because you know that they're opening their home to all of, all of you, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, is not quite, you know, what they're used to and all of that. And people like to ask questions and, 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 and be curious. And that's, that's a really, really great way to show love to families like mine. Um, and, um, and so those, those are the things that kind of come to my mind. Be, be curious, definitely ask the questions, teach your children, teach your children, to if they're curious to allow them to ask questions because a lot of times some kids will just stare. And I know that kind of gets to the siblings a little bit um, when Kaya doesn't care. Kaya's just like, look, I'm living my life. I don't know what y'all doing, I'm living my life. Um, But but the siblings feel a little bit awkward when they just stare. So sometimes when the little, you know, four or five, six, seven, eight year olds are looking at Kaya because it looks like she's a big baby in a big stroller you know, and I'll say, you can say hi, you know, you can say hi. And sometimes when I start that, and I'll say, you can say hi, she can hear you. Um, Then they kind of start to ask questions. Well, why, you know, why is she in this big, you know, stroller? And I said, well, she's not able to walk. And well, why is she not able to walk? Well, because she was born not able to walk. And so then we're just able to kind of get into a dialogue. And that really helps kids to understand, you know, and then you know, like, but look at her in her eyes and and smile at her and you can, you know, put your hand on her hand and she, she will really connect with you. And so I just like to make sure that I tell, you know, make a comfortable setting for people to know that it's okay if you ask questions, but definitely teach your children um, that they're just as valuable as you are. You know, they're just as valuable as you are. They just were born a little bit differently, but that doesn't mean different doesn't mean bad, you know, different doesn't mean less. That just means that they're different. Um, so those are some things that have come to mind. I love
0: how practical that is. It gives me like a picture of, you know, some things to say, some, some things to do.
1: When you talk about connect, don't, don't think I'm a stalker, but yeah, I was on your Facebook page and um, you have some videos of your husband and Kaya and how <laughs> they connect. And yeah. when, when you say like, she can hear you and she, you know, look her in her eyes, it, it she can connect like, like the, their, their interaction is so, oh sweet and yeah girl I, i'm not gonna lie I was a she's bit a daddy's
2: girl i would tell you that her father is her favorite human in the whole wide world and kaya is a flirt like kaya will bat her eyes and make you melt like in two seconds because she just has a way of communicating like through giggles and laughs and eye contact and she will you know reach out and grab you and everything you will be her best friend and in 2 minutes if you just get on her level look her in the eyeballs speak to her like she is a human being you know because just because she can't verbalize back to you doesn't mean that she's not communicating mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: nonverbal does not mean non ability to communicate she absolutely can communicate And she has she's 17. So she can get really sassy with her communication, even with me now a days. I would tell you that she's rolled her eyes at me a time or two. And I'm like, oh, no, you didn't.
1: (laughs) I think that's so important to remember, too. You know, when when we talk about dignity, these are all things that go along with dignity. You know, look Mm. someone in their eyes talk to mm-hmm. them directly don't talk about them talk to them you know yeah. ask questions these are all the ways that we participate with another person's dignity
0: mm-hmm. yeah and and that's really you know it, it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine that are uh, so many christians are right you know you see them on social media and they all want to talk about justice or just tell me that the thing i need to do for justice so i can kind of cleanse myself of my whiteness and the sins of being white and I'll do the justice things and then I'll be okay. And I'm like, okay, we just need to slow down here a minute. Like there's the little things in our community, in our local church in our families that we need to do in treating each other with dignity. That's where justice begins. We can't fix all of these things with the external systems because Mm. we could be selfish in our hearts And if Mm -hmm. we aren't engaging with each other, according to God's pattern of love and justice, it's almost hypocritical to just focus on the exterior things. It drives me crazy. But I think that, you know, what we're talking about here is the little things, Mm -hmm. which actually mean a lot to a family like the Sanfords and like Mm -hmm. Kaya as an individual to honor her dignity, that, that, that is not a small thing for them. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know,
2: going back to the question about my faith. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when, when I, when, when there when the times kind of got really rough, like for example, health issues and things like that, you know, I could find I could remember myself really just kind of um, almost outside of myself, like just kind of stepping outside of mom and really making sure that I kept at the forefront of who I am as the believer in Jesus Christ, that Romans eight twenty eight, you know, applies for, for these situations where these circumstances, for these like no matter what, he's going to work all things out for our good because we love him and we are called according to his word. It really did help me to really kind of walk the walk as a Christian, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk. And, and I can't like all, all, if she was not born the way that she was born, I honestly don't know if I would have this faith that I have. So when all the other things kind of start to happen you know, when there's the question of, if, you know, as a black person, right, when there's all these questions of, you know, do you feel like, you know, black people are treated equally or whatever. In my mind, I already think of things differently because of my daughter, because of my daughter, because I have already decided that I don't identify as an African-American first. I identify as a child of God first. And what does that mean for me? I learned that I learned how to do that and how, how important it was to who I am in the eyes of Christ because of my daughter, because I had to learn how to do that with her. I had to learn how to make sure I identified her as a child of God and someone made in the image of God. And so, so many of the things that are going on in the world now, I, I just feel like, you know, like I, Not to say that I'm, my heart breaks over injustice, obviously, and everybody's heart should break over injustice, but I see injustice as just like a way, you know, and I don't know, just a different way than maybe the average, you know, person might because of the fact that there are a lot of things that happen in the world that are not in your control, but what you have to know is you have to know who you are in Christ. You have to know your purpose. You have to know your value no matter what, because that's stuff that is divine. Nobody can take that from you. Yeah. And when you have that kind of a perspective, you look at the world in a different way. People, it's really hard to be offended. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's really yeah. hard to be offended when you have that perspective.
0: When you know who you are and you know whose you are, yeah. then it's very freeing because then you're truly free to love like in the realist sense mm-hmm. of uh, Monique and I've had these conversations. She's like, you know, in, in talking to a lot of our, our supporters, she's like, really people just want to be loved. Yeah. They just, they just really want to be honored. And she's like, this makes so much more sense to me now. Cause I know who I am and I know who they are and they're, that's my brother and sister in Christ. So I can talk to them, honor them, smile with them, make them laugh, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things. We can just be family together. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I want to go to um, so many good some comments. Of the comments on Facebook on the yeah. CFBU Facebook page. Um, ben says we had pews and there were only places for wheelchairs in the back, so we completely took up the pews, shortened some sections, and made right multiple there. places at different distances from the front, so they could be in or with. The rest of the congregation wherever they wanted. I love that. We also installed a multi-floor lift in our foyer because people had to go outside to go downstairs if they couldn't actually take the stairs. Those old buildings are not ADA compliant. I do agree with that. Um, let's see. But I love it uh, how they thought yeah. creatively
0: of here's a need. Like, is that a need, Rihanna, that that you've seen as well?
2: yeah and then also just not having a facility to do things like change children like i I don't know where i would change my daughter if i needed to change her at church like i don't like those situations like that like we can't even find a place like that on the road like if we're traveling cross-country or something like that poor girl just has to sit in her chair in whatever mess she's made because we there's not a place to change someone like that you know in that size she's like three times the size of the baby changing station in the gas station you know what i mean so even just stuff like that that a lot of times churches aren't thinking about so they don't so a facility to kind of make sure that you have that there can be the care you know that needs to be given um to someone like our daughter is is would be something that i think a lot of people just don't think about you know
1: Jane has a comment on CFBU Facebook. She says, I have run in the churches asking me to serve in the children's ministry because my kids have special needs. I have the knowledge how to deal with special needs. The problem is I'm tired. I want to worship. I want the worship time to rest in Jesus. Please give me an hour to rest. It's not so bad as they get older, but when they were young, I would carry guilt about not wanting to serve in children's ministry. And Mm -hmm. I will personally say that I know parents who don't go to church for that reason. Because if they take their kid to children's ministry, then they, you know, have to stay in children's ministry. And it's like, well, I only got two kids. So why am I not going to take my two kids to church so that I can go ahead and take care of 50 more in addition to those two? It's like, I'm just going to stay home. Is that yeah. like something that you've seen or experienced?
2: I haven't really experienced it. Most, I will say that the, the churches that, um, so the churches that we spent the most time in have been very well serving to our family. Um, the one in Kansas City, like I said, the first church that my daughter was ever in was actually the church that we planted and pastored at for seven and a half years. So of course she was served there, well served there because she's the pastor's kid. Y'all might have to take care of this kid so I can get on the keyboard and my husband can you know, be preaching. But, um, but when we moved to Kansas City, we started going there were several churches that we tried, several churches that weren't, you know, definitely not ready to take on that challenge um, and just said it'd probably better if they actually told us it'd probably be better if she stayed with you in service, you know. Um, and then we found city center church where they were basically like taking her from us. Like, don't worry about it. We got it, you know. And those are the, that's the place we stayed for, I don't know, the next six or seven years until we moved here to Florida. And, um, and the place that we are right now, they don't have the special needs. They do have a special needs ministry, but they don't have it going on right now because of the whole COVID thing. Um, but um, they do have a special needs ministry. And so, so for the most part, where we have found ourselves are places that we felt like they could serve. You know, us now. Our daughter is seventeen, and she's really kind of aged out of the children's ministry period. But, um, um, but I do know, like I would be that way. Like if it was me, like I, I don't necessarily want to work in the ministry because of the fact that this is this is my life. You know, every day of the week, and so I can understand someone having that same that same feeling.
1: Sharon says a lot of us are single moms. Stop doing fellowship because I had to spend, excuse me, the whole time making sure he was observing everyone's personal space. He is 25, so that can get really awkward. Having an adult male, I trust if he needs to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Again, It's, you know, it, 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 I can see how when there, when there aren't, you know, people that you trust or specific services in place where people would step back. I think the church has a Mm -hmm. real opportunity to be able to speak into the lives of families with, you know, special needs individuals. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's see. Is there anything else on trying to see?
0: So there's a great comment on here. Uh, Vera Vera is on CFBU Facebook. Vera says, when one of our weeknight community groups added a small portable ramp at one of the doors in their home with no prompting by us, it was such a beautiful gesture of love. Kylie could Mm -hmm. attend study of scripture in her power chair and not have to be in her manual chair pushed by us. Wow. What a great proactive step and seeing a need yeah
2: and I'm my love language is acts of service Mm. and so I know when like for example when we moved to where we are right now there was no there were no ramps um and the landlord here um decided to put in a ramp for us he's like you all need to be able to get up and into your apartment without having to take her carry her wheelchair up three or four stairs to get to your apartment. And so, um, you know, that speaks volumes to me because that that's like, I feel valued. I feel like my child is being valued. And um, and I think, you know, these, these things of what can we be doing at church and things of that nature, I think the best thing for people to do is just kind of start having conversations about it. That's probably the first Like step. don't be afraid if of having the having...
0: conversation.
2: Yes. Yeah, don't be afraid about having the conversation, and I believe that it, that it, it's something that the Lord will help bring together. Um, but it, but I think people just have to kind of have a, a, a willingness in their heart to, you know, be mindful and be willing to serve uh, families that are dealing with some some of these special needs. And
0: you know, uh, this situations. is a this is a great case study on something you and I were talking about last night. You know, I just think about everything theologically. I just can't help myself, but... uh, That (laughs) is
1: true, I can attest.
0: You know, I mean, here, this is a great show because here we are talking about...
1: If you do say so yourself, this is a great show. The
0: the importance of identity and the gospel and being a child of God and knowing, knowing about value, dignity, and worth and intrinsic worth of humanity. But at the same time, like looking at this issue from the reality of the real world, Mm -hmm. and and justice and we have to understand like how these things go together like the gospel and justice don't pull each other apart is and the problem isn't that we need to de-emphasize justice the problem is is we need to have things in a proper order yes and and so you know to deny the physical problems and even in some sense to not even have the conversation not ask questions is to almost engage in this weird form of Gnosticism where we don't talk about the physical world and we have to understand that God Mm -hmm. has made us you know body soul and spirit he came in the flesh Jesus came left the realms of glory to come in the flesh and through that we call that the incarnation he teaches us that that the physical world matters Mm -hmm. and and our faith is not one of I'm not just a a spirit being with a body. No, we're going to live in glorified bodies in the new creation. So our bodies matter. And so we don't want to treat brothers and sisters like Kaya to say, Hey, like, I'm not going to see you. I don't need to really worry about this because I'm believing in the gospel over here. Mm -hmm. And if we're really Mm -hmm. going to get our theology straight, we need to kind of be working at it on both sides of the coin there. Do you want to jump in Rihanna?
2: Yeah, can, I speak to, can I speak to that point just for a moment yeah. in regards to, um, you know, maybe a perception in regards to, you know, well, why haven't you just prayed for your child to be healed? And then, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you must, your faith must not be strong enough, you know, type of perception. Um, first of all, there are not enough um, there are not enough numbers, probably to count how many times we have prayed, you know, for our child taking her down the to the altar to have her prayed for. I mean, just there's too many times to count. But this is one thing that I know. The battle has already been fought for our child, and whether she walks and talks on this side of heaven, is not as as much of a concern as the faith I have in the fact that her eternal body is going to be perfect. You know, it's going to be perfect. And that gives me, as a mom, that gives me peace, that gives me a better focus. You know, it changed my prayer because if I'm just praying for my child to walk because I want to see her walk, if I'm just praying for my child to talk because I want to hear her talk, that was, that became very selfish prayers. You hear what I'm saying? So my prayer changed to God, we just want to give you glory. You know, let her life glorify you no matter what. And that, that brought me to a place to where I could, I could pray unselfishly. I could pray with the hopes and the desire that God is glorified no matter what um, rather than me just praying because I want to, you know, I want to see her walk or talk or anything like that. But I noticed that when I was praying those prayers, I would find myself being heartbroken if it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily, I don't think it didn't happen for a lack of faith, but the reality, this is what I came to know is the reality is it has already happened. Mm -hmm. Like it's done. The battle is is won. It's finished, um, and that puts a smile on my face, right? That helps me go day by day by day, just giving thanks and honor to God for the healing that He's already, you know, t- taken the stripes for, you know, that that is in her body. But it's it's just, um, you know, it's a different perspective. It's a different, um, it's a different um, mindset but I just want to kind of caution anybody if that's kind of going on in their brain, well, you just need to pray for her. You know, Um, trust me, (laughs) the prayers have been prayed. Um, But in my mind, it's more important that God gets the glory for helping us walk through this journey, the way that he, the way that he has willed it, not in my own will.
0: And I think that's like the other side of the pole. Like, Some people just, they only want to focus on the spiritual. Some people are like, well, it's not really real if it's not manifest in the flesh of the healing. Rather, what we want to do is, yeah, we can pray for the healing and meet the needs that are there and meet the family and make, making, creating a real, what I call a true gospel community of family, of how are we going to care for each other? So Um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you wanted to say something.
1: I did, but it went away. Oh, sorry. Sorry. PTSD. Well, sometimes, sometimes (laughs) it's just tired, (laughs) you know, sometimes. No, um, yeah, it, it went away. Just kind of don't, don't, don't worry about that. (laughs) All
0: right. Any final comments you wanted to do here before we.
1: Yeah, I do have a question. Um, like we've talked about what the church can do and how the church, you know, overall, I think can, can really support people in families but you know when we look at it like individually what do you think is the most some of the most helpful things that like just me i'm just a single person you know what can i do to well, be I, a support
0: i loved her idea earlier of like inviting them over for dinner that was like such. i a ain't great got my own house
1: girl i can't be I, I ain't invite nobody over no, just it, it has to be a family decision <laughs> you know do you need me to cook a meal i can cook yeah. <laughs> Girl, you
2: can come over and cook anytime because I do not like to be in the kitchen. Oh, I love it. Um, n- yeah, no, seriously. If, honestly, just when people say, you know, I would love to just meet you for coffee and just get to know who you are and your family and get to hear about your journey, you know, together with Kaya and and help me to know a little bit more about her so that when I talk to her and I'm in her presence, I'm treating her with value, you know, and, and not... Um, you know, devaluing her, those are things, you know, I always appreciate that, not just because it gives me an opportunity to talk about my kid, but because of the fact that um, it shows me that they care and they want to, you know, do a better job at making sure, like as we're talking about, you know, dignity, that they're, you know, giving her value and giving and showing her dignity. Um, because I think, again, like with Crystal was saying, just this mindset of, our value is based on what we can or cannot do, what we can, what someone can do for us. And the reality is, you know, if someone is just looking at Kaya without having a relationship with her, they're thinking that she probably can't do very much for her. What's she going to do for for the, you know, these are people who don't know her, you know, because people who know her know that she can do a lot for you because the girl, the girl's joy is radiant, you know, like she will make your whole day. Um So, 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 so just, you know, showing that curiosity, like I said, and just asking for opportunities, talk with your, you know, people in your local church about what are some things we can do to make sure that families that are dealing, you know, living with some challenges and things and some different Mm -hmm. situations and circumstances will feel comfortable in our house, you know, in our house of worship, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know, something like that. If you ask someone, another special needs family that's within your local church and ask them like, hey, where are some places where you feel like we're lacking as a body of believers, as a family, you know, to be able to serve your family, just be willing to have those conversations. And um, that will go a long, long ways into making your, you know, your church family um, more whole.
1: And then one more thing as we close, what encouragement would you give to parents um, who have and very much love their special needs children? Mm -hmm.
2: I love to minister to mamas with special needs children because um, I do believe that there is a lot of limiting beliefs within the special needs community. Um, Many of us are expecting to have to live off the government. and Many of us are expecting to have to um, just advocate for our kid. Like we can't do anything else in the world. And I just want to make sure that you understand that you have, you have place in this world, that you are your child's, you know, mom or parent or dad or whatever, but you're also a co-ambassador with Christ Hmm. and don't ever discount your place in the kingdom to be able to do things you know for god and for christ and do big things in the world and and that's one of the things that i just love to encourage other mamas to because people that because of the fact that they don't they look at their lives and then they look at maybe their friend's life and it just looks so different because they're pushing a kid in a wheelchair or they're dealing with autism or they're dealing with down syndrome or whatever the case is and their friend is not their friend is watching their kid running up and down the soccer field or going to dance class or whatever That again, different doesn't mean less different doesn't mean bad doesn't mean that you still that you can't have this, you know, vivacious, vibrant life that glorifies God, it just means your life is going to look different, dig deep, dig deep into your Savior and find those things, find that purpose, find that value in your own life as a mom of this child. And just don't don't downgrade. Don't downgrade your place, um, your, your purpose. Don't, don't um, you know, just be willing to kind of believe what God's word says, which is that, um, you know, he, he, that he will cause all things to work out for your good and have an expectation of that. Have an expectation of him leading and guiding you all through this life, you know, and expect good things, expect, expect wonderful things, you know. Um, And, and, and I guess the biggest thing is, you know, make sure that you include him, like lean on him with everything, Mm -hmm. lean on him with everything, you know, you got within you um, because he really is there. He he is faithful to his word and he is he's good for it, you know, he's good for it. And you can lean on him and he'll catch you. <laughs>
0: he'll
1: wow. catch you. So that's a good word. Yeah, that's, that's a really good.
0: good. Word. I, want- oh, I wanna make sure people see Rihanna's book One More Time on Amazon, The Special Life, Living Life with Special Needs and Loving It.
1: Yes, and she also has another book based on Purity for Teen Girls. And I might get the title wrong. I'm sorry if I do. But I th- believe it's called The Identity of Purity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And um, it is for teen girls. And so that's a different show. Different topic, but also <laughs> an awesome resource. So make sure mm-hmm. you guys check out her book. Get it. And so show some love for the family.
0: So on uh, CFBU Facebook, there's a comment here of some more practical ideas from Vera. She says that knowing that I had someone in the church to call on in emergencies was such a relief, especially when my husband was working and not available. Um, another idea is to ride or drive with us to the hospital or just to come mm-hmm. hang out uh, if I had something come up. Mm. Uh, I can kind of attest to that when when Monique was, first came and we were dealing with a lo- her extreme PTSD I there were some times where I needed people to come and help and
1: hang out hang out
0: with you while I went to work and there were a few few moments I'd forgotten about that but there were some few days where I needed help with that and and so it's I could see how that would that could be a help to people Mm -hmm. you know such a simple thing yeah
1: yeah the ways that we don't Mm -hmm. always consider yeah that that can be so helpful yeah yeah Rihanna, Definitely. thank you so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, we are glad that you said yes. I'm going to text you after this girl, don't worry.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for just sharing oh, no. your story and being so vulnerable and and just helping us, you know, I I've learned a lot tonight and and just um helping us be a better family to yeah. each other and helping us see each other better. I I think it's been so good.
1: Yeah, and if if you aren't thinking that this is a justice issue, then you are sadly mistaken. Yeah, this is such a justice issue in a way that we can do justice. Yeah, that we can truly, Micah six eight it like. Yeah. how do I do justice? Well, this well, is here this it is, is here right here right, right here right here. <laughs> Culture's telling us a lot of things, and it's not really real. But this is a real way to do justice, practically yeah. in your own community. Yeah. So thank you very okay. much. Thank you. Mwah. All right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was good. Yes. I learned a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Really good. She's just so sweet and like, you know, but I mean, don't play a mama bear too. Well, don't, don't come, (laughs) don't come for the family. Don't come for our family. yeah, I just really appreciate her voice in that space and how she is. She's really leading a conversation for mothers with children who have special needs, yeah. and it's something that's really needed. You know, we we recently saw her on another podcast, and that's kind of what sparked our thoughts about, hey, like we should why, have her on our podcast. what's going on? Um, <laughs> we've been sleeping on it, so. There's that. But I just think there's a community that she really gets to minister to. Yeah. I'm
0: wondering um, ia I, question. I didn't want to put her on the spot. So I'll put you on the spot. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering when it comes to critical theory, like how does that play into the whole disabilities conversation? Like one thing that was coming to me. And so I don't know if I'm on the right track or not, but if there was sustained, like kind of not seeing these problems and making accommodations and provisions, people with disabilities could be seen as like an oppressed group. And then, you know, it would be like, well, you know, we're invisible. You're erasing us. We're, we're not being seen. So I'm just wondering like, how does that, how does that play into critical theory? Cause I know that is one of the, Critical theories is ableism.
1: There is. Um, and I'm not specifically sure, so I don't want to okay. give too much information. I know that if we were to look at things like abortion as a systemic issue, mm-hmm. I think, um, I mean, and when I say abortion as a systemic issue, systemically impacting um, African Americans, mm-hmm. Margaret Sanger, and the eugenics movement. And Planned Parenthood and all of that would have advocated for Kaya not to be born.
0: Well, that yeah. And that, so
1: that's a whole another a whole nother situation a- along the side of critical social theory and like what do you do with that conversation? But at the same of like t-
0: aborting a, a a disabled person yes. from the get
1: go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those yeah. who are who have life, you know, you you do get ableist studies and how are the disabled treated and are they you know, trying to be erased. Like, how do you get equity? Oppressed. And
0: I, I'm just like there, trying there's to. There's
1: a yeah. I don't have enough in my in my wheelhouse yeah. to be able to thread that out right now. What, I need to do some more you research. You know, with
0: the critical theory definition of equity, like, how do you get there for somebody like Kai? I just don't know how that works. So maybe somebody <laughs> will write in the show and explain it to me. All right. So now let's see. We're gonna do our tweet of the week in just a minute, but we want to take. Just a minute to talk about our other show sponsor, which is Impact 360. And we know that a lot of you have teens in your home. And we know that this generation is kind of living in a different world. Um, talking a lot about Gen Z, if they were born kind of 1999-ish to 2015. It's really kind of the first post-Christian generation and Impact 360 Is kind of uniquely trying to position themselves to help with discipleship on that.
1: Yeah, they're answering the question of how can we prepare our children to be grounded in biblical truth and preparing them? Like, how do we prepare them for the challenges that they're going to meet in our current culture? Yeah. And there's a lot of challenges. Like, let's just be honest. There are a lot of challenges that our kids today are going to face and they are starting to face them. I did a live stream earlier this week. You know, what are we doing with or and how are we? Um, preparing kids in kindergarten to face things like pronouns and being non-binary and all of these conversations that kindergartners are now having. And so Impact 360 is looking at how do we prepare high school students and young adults to face some of these worldview challenges. Yeah.
0: And they've really created some amazing programs there to kind of life experiences, relationship, discipleship, and apologetics put together in one package to really help the next generation uh, grow in their faith.
1: Yes. So let's play the video. No, the, we're not going to play the, the video. I, we're, not, we're not playing the video. This is the video. Oh, sorry. We, ha ha. Well, then I will say, <laughs> <laughs> y'all, I don't know what's going on. Just just, just know that I just sit here most days. Um, okay. Let's just be honest. I just show up. Um, oh, you know, God. but they, they do have awesome speakers like Alisa Childers, J.P. Moreland. And um, you. Me, I'm gonna we'll be we'll be speaking together there in July. Yeah. Brett Kunkel has spoken there. I wanna say Jay Warner Wallace has spoken so there. So a lot of trusted professionals, yes, yeah. yes.
0: that are friends of the ministry. So go visit impact360.org and see if this is a resource that can maybe help your faith. And if you use the promo code. All the things. We have our own promo code. Whoop, whoop. You can waive the application fee. Um now there's only a few slots left. For next year so people are going to want to jump on that yes get
1: in so
0: if you have a student with it that's looking at maybe taking a gap year
1: they, i mean they a have great, a gap year but they yeah. also have like a two-week program they have, I guess even have a week program yeah. they have a lot of things yeah. check them out use the promo code all the things to waive the application fee and help ground your child over yeah. the summer yeah. you know for a week or two in in their worldview yeah
0: very good all right and now it's time for the tweet of the week the dramatic opening yes. is back
1: <laughs> yes it is man i need some powder like i'm yeah, really shiny I mean, tonight so am i don't worry <laughs> What's so going am i, I feel like i feel like i've been running a marathon but you know don't worry family we are just here <laughs> together just sitting up in the living room just
0: okay chilling. so i have a world famous tweeter this week
1: okay her name is the real monique d oh yeah that was a mess So (laughs) says CRT polyamory equality act coming for the church and our kids pastors unite people around truth the deception is thick yes so I actually so tell me what was going on in this so I saw this article you actually sent me this article three dads and a baby tells the journey of a polyamorous family so there's a family a few months ago Mm -hmm. but yeah but I was also, I had watched the woke pre- woke preschool clips and all that. Oh, and God. I was just like, woke kindergarten. What in the world is going go, on? Go on YouTube. So this family, it's three dads. Yeah. And two of the dads have been married for, or, or together for 15 years. And then the third dad joined in about eight years ago. Yeah. And together they had surrogate parents, surrogate women, w- moms, women. moms w- to... Yeah to hold babies for them twice. And on the birth certificates of the children are all three dads' names. So it's the
0: first, what's landmark about this is the first legal documents with three parents, three dads. No women. No women. Yeah. I don't know, maybe we don't need women anymore. I don't know what this is. But what was interesting to me about this article um, is all of the argumentation that was being used is is like a mirror of what we hear right now in the lgbt community about their reason and their posture of how beautiful it is and and you know um heterosexual monogamy is not normal and you know Mm -hmm. we need to uh this is so loving and why would you why would you object well these are all the same arguments that are being used by the polyamory people. Yes. And I called this like five years ago. I said, this is going to be the next thing. And people will come on my Facebook like, no, that'll, that'll never happen. Well,
1: here it is. Here it is. You texted me that <laughs> and you said, I called it five years ago. And I was like, you know, these people, you called them five years ago. <laughs> I didn't understand. So confused. I didn't understand. But yes, this is what is coming next, friends. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate, but this is what I believe they're going to start to even teach kids. And yeah. so um, if you missed our live stream on two, not Thursday. Tuesday, on Thursday at the family meeting, the family meeting was at five o'clock last or this week. We talked about how to talk to your kids about critical theory, critical social theory concepts that they're now being met with. And it came because I was watching um, the woke preschool read alouds. Where there's a teacher, and she's quite engaging. She understands kids. She's extremely talented. And she is, you know, talking about why you can use a pronoun like a tree. Now, I didn't know tree was a pronoun. I wasn't an English major, but tree can be a pronoun. And how, you know, Linda likes the pronoun he. And how... Barbara doesn't, you know, want to use a pronoun at all because she's non-binary and, and you know, that, that she, so she goes by they, um, or how, you know, as a child of, you know, three, five, whatever. And she says this, you can, your, your gender at birth, your parents only guess because of your anatomy. So they look and they say, okay, well, this is a boy until you tell them, yes, you are right. I am a boy or well, you actually made a mistake. This I know I got five, the anatomy. This is a four or five year old. Three to five. It could because it's definitely cat in the hat kind of material. Cat in the hat or um, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. That kind of story time book. But and this is again. I said it on the live stream. This is why I'm saying we need to be teaching our kids. Our kids are capable of learning so much and and absorbing so much. If they can teach your child about being non-binary, I am sure we can teach them truth. (laughs) You're pretty sure about this. I'm I'm sure. So I'm going to ask our
0: moderators. I think uh, Laura's jumped on there, too, uh, to put a uh, link in the chat to your live stream with Elizabeth Urbanovitz from Thursday. Yes. About that. And people can catch that replay. There's a lot of good information there. And then you're having another live stream this Thursday. With with your um, friend Tim, Tim Stratton, Stratton from yes. Maven, um, talking about tweens and teens. And I think what we have to know in all of this conversation is polyamory and woke kindergarten and pronouns. Look, these are all worldview issues. Mm-hmm. So you're going to either teach your child, this is how we're going to think about things in the, you know, the uh, of a world that reflects, you know, their physical anatomy and this is what marriage is and we're gonna allow God to define these things or our kids are just going to get swept away into what the culture is telling them.
1: Yeah. And I mean, th- one of the things that I appreciated about Elizabeth Urbanowicz in this conversation is she is the founder of Foundation Worldview. And so she helps parents to teach worldview, a biblical worldview to their younger children. She gave suggestions on how do you do this with like a four or five, six year old? How do you do this with an eight, nine, 10 year old? And so then this week we'll move into teens and tweens. But if you're really looking, if you have a teen like late teen, check out Impact 360 because they do a very good job of helping we've already been there once, we've seen it, yeah. how they can thread out how do young people figure out the worldview and how do they um like impart like not just not just take it for themselves, but yes, how do they understand it for themselves, but then also how do they um almost do mission with it and, and yeah. be able to use practical steps from their worldview. Yeah, for
0: sure. So this is the world that we're living in. Um, we you, You're going to have to start those conversations younger and younger. Uh, Kathy says on YouTube, uh, we need to start teaching our cho- children from a very young age. I think that's absolutely correct. The younger, the better, because, and it's not just about information. It's about telling them we as a family are This is how we are going to Mm -hmm. see the world, talk about the world. And we're going to have to teach as if we are preparing our children to live countercultural from the beginning. Yeah. We have to program it into them from the beginning. We are different. We are going to live our lives differently than the world around us. Even some people who name the name of Christ this is how we are going to live. And you have to kind of program them from the beginning to live in the future mm-hmm. uh, counterculturally. I mean,
1: look at, look at Mr. Potato Head. Oh, he... he, he yeah, I'm not going to say what I said before. But poor Mr. Potato Head. He, I mean, now they just have Potato Head and Potato Head. So <laughs> Mr. Potato Head is just Potato Head. Mrs. Potato Head is just Potato Head. And I, it's just a mess. It's a mess. Anyway, oh, and yeah, Dr. Seuss did get canceled. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, Dr. Seuss got canceled. Um, and let's see. Thank you. And Elizabeth got me talking to my seven-year-old about objective, subjective truth.
0: Yay! Yes.
1: Good for you, Kathy. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so go
0: check out yes. Monique's live stream from Thursday. And then be sure to set your calendar for th- this Thursday. One more reminder before we go. If you haven't yet done so, go Add your name to the Center for Biblical Unity mailing list so you can get the f- link to the Joe Miller's conference, Critical Race Theory and
1: Christianity. Yes, only available if you are on our mailing list. And with that, we are now signing off. It's time for us to go take a nap. It's been a long day. Have a good week, everyone. God bless, God bless.
0: You. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.